0: We've been looking at the life of David, and we've been doing that systematically for the last few months. We're going to carry on doing that uh, through next year. We've taken it quite slowly. We've taken it slowly on purpose, because if you rush through these things, you miss stuff. Today would be a day that you'd probably miss. I expect the passage I'm going to read to you is probably a passage that uh, normally as a breach. You think, oh, we'll just skip that one, because uh, it's fairly short, and on the surface, it doesn't make a lot of sense, uh, but um, we're going to give it a go. Uh, because all of Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for us. And there really are important things here in this passage for us today. So I encourage you to listen carefully. It was great preaching this just uh, moments ago up in Bradley Stoke, just seeing how people recognize themselves in some of these uh, instances, some of the things that are going on in David's life, and then around this story. So we're going to read a couple of passages, but first, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your help By the Holy Spirit, we pray, come on us as we read your word. Thank you that these are not just words on a page. This is your words to us. We pray, Holy Spirit, make these words live in our hearts, Lord. We want to be changed because of them. We want to be different, be more full of faith, be more aware of of the truth of who you are because of these words. We pray, Lord God, uh, strengthen us in and through them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we've won uh, Samuel 21. And we're reading the last few verses, starting at verse 10. This is titled in my Bible, David at Gath. That day David fled from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. But the servants of Achish said to him, Isn't this David the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sang about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. So he feigned insanity in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gates and letting saliva run down his beard, you know, like, like you do. Achish said to his servants, Look at the man, he's insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen that you bring me this fellow here? to carry on like this in front of me. Must this man uh, come into my house? Uh, so you can, you can see why maybe you'd let this one kind of pass. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so uh, there's a few questions we might want to ask about this passage, um, I think. Uh, probably, and we shouldn't be afraid to ask uh, questions of Scripture, like what the heck's going on here, for instance? <laughs> And that's important that we can do that, that we're able to do those things. Um, We're going to do that in a moment. But before we do that, it's just worth saying that although it seems a bit vague, it seems strange, uh, peculiar, maybe offensive to some. um, Actually, out of these few verses, David penned two Psalms. So two Psalms came out of David because of what's just happened, what we just read. So two of those psalms, you know all the psalms in the middle of the Bible there, two of them, that's Psalm 34 and the psalm we're going to spend some time in today, Psalm Psalm 56, were written because of those events. And so you can read, uh, and we will read the whole of Psalm 56 in a moment, but you can read what's going on behind the scenes. You see the kind of what. This is what happened, all those peculiar things that happened with David. And then we're going to see the what happens and the why, and what's going on underneath the surface. How did David feel as these events were taking place? What did he do about uh, being fearful, for instance? Um, so let's just read Psalm 56, uh, which is one of the psalms that... Uh, David wrote, uh, having experienced those things in Gath. Be merciful to me, my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long. They pride, uh, in their pride they attack me. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust and I'm not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? All day long they twist my words. All their schemes are for my ruin. They conspire, they lurk, they watch my steps, hoping to take my life. Because of their wickedness, do not let them escape. In your anger, God, bring down the nations. Record my misery, list my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this will I know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise. In God I trust and I'm not afraid. What can man do to me? I'm under vows to you, my God. I'll present my thank offerings to you. For you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling. Then I may walk before God in the light of life. A quick quiz. What's the most often repeated instruction in the Bible? What's the most repeated instruction in the Bible once someone said it? It is don't be afraid. I'm not one for kind of Bible stats particularly, but this one is interesting, so I'll tell you. It's repeated 365 times throughout the Bible. One for every day, and I need it personally. (laughs) I need to know that instruction every day, fresh, new from God. Don't be afraid, don't fear. God's with you. You need to hear that. We need to hear that. The Bible knows it. God knows it. He's aware of our frailty. And we're experiencing and seeing something of that in the life of David right here and now. You see, David now, at this point in the story, he's now fully in the crosshairs of Saul's anger. Up until now, it's been a bit back and forth with King Saul. Sometimes he seems to want David close. He has him in the court with David. And sometimes he wants him far away and he's thrown spears at him. But there's been a sort of love-hate thing going on with with Saul. But after we saw what happened uh, right at the end of the last passage I spoke to you about anyway, which was as uh, David and Jonathan parted ways, there was a recognition that now Saul wants him dead and he doesn't care who knows it. And so David is fleeing for his life. He's terrified for his life. I wonder if any of us have ever fled for our lives. I I guess maybe one or two, probably not many. Um, Let me just tell you, I I once did. Um, We were in South Africa, we were in a township, and we were in a township about a week after uh, a girl had been murdered, had been killed. Uh, And we went to just be part of uh, being friends and being friendly, and as we were there a riot kind of swept through the township and it was coming our way and we jumped in some cars and literally as the riot arrived we drove out a different way and I thought that's it I'm, it's done I'm over the car's going to get you know torched I'm dead I really thought that's it and we were fleeing for our lives I, I thought we were maybe we actually weren't but it felt that way David is fleeing for his life he thinks Saul is going to kill me David can't read to the end of 2 Samuel, and no, it all works out fine. He he, does, he can't do that. We think, well, we can do that, so it seems fairly obvious that it all works out okay. Of course, he doesn't know that. He just knows what he knows on that day, and that is that Saul wants him dead, and he has armies of people to achieve his aim. And so he's afraid. He's scared, and he's fleeing for his life. There's no little irony that David uh, now. With uh, Goliath's sword would end up in Gath. Where was Goliath from? It's Goliath of Gath. He's, he's kind of right in the heart of enemy territory. And actually, as kind of Bible kind of scholars, or at least people interested in it, we should ask ourselves the question why does he go to Gath? Why is he there? What's he doing in Gath? This seems a very strange thing to do. You know, you're sort of armed with the evidence that you've killed their champion, and now you pitch up in town. How do you think that's going to go, David? But it does give us some insights into how afraid he is. He's scared. He's running scared. You do silly things when you run scared. Now there may be some sense actually to it. There may be some sense in finding a kind of refuge in the enemy of your enemy. Do you see what I mean? So the Philistines are the enemies of Saul. And so David goes and hides amongst them. For protection, that does make a little bit of sense. We probably need to also recognize just something of the culture in which uh, David is living. And that's a culture of alliances and loyalties and repayments of debts. So if you're in trouble, you are looking, who owes me? Uh, who, who have I fought beside? Who's promised me their life? Who, whose life have I saved? You're looking for help. And David is probably doing something uh, or possibly doing something like that as he seeks refuge in this city. It seems most likely, even beyond that, that what David is doing is thinking, I'll just hire myself out as an anonymous soldier into the army of the Philistines. I could just, you know, rent myself as a soldier, as it were. And so maybe that's what David is doing. Uh, Whatever he's trying to do, it seems he's trying to do it fairly anonymously, and it fails spectacularly, because immediately they recognize him, and we might all say, well, no surprise at all, David. You are a national hero. You killed... Goliath, what do you think was going to happen when you pitch up in his hometown? Uh, anyway, so they find him, and in, so he's still scared, of course. He thinks, right, well, Saul's going to kill me. These people are probably going to kill me. Now, what's left? What can I do? And so he feigns, as the Bible tells us, madness. And so he scratches on the doors, and he lets, you know, he dribbles down his beard, um, you know, like you do, maybe, some of you. And, and, uh, and that's what he does, and it, it kind of works, and eventually he gets to escape. And that's, that's the story. that's what's happening here. And you know, I, sometimes life is quite confusing. Uh, how often is it like, I know everything that's happening, and I know why it's all happening? It's such a rare existence. <laughs> I, I think rarely in my life I'm like, I get it. I get it all, all the various parts of the family. I, I understand it. it. All seems to be going well. Everything's great. it's all, you know, it's all kind of yeah, it's all, it's all going as planned. So rarely is life like that. And so when we get a moment like this with David, we're like, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe not fearing for my life, but certainly afraid for various things. Oh, I get it, I'm with you, David, I understand that. And then what we see, of course, is we see in the Psalms what's the internal struggle that's happening inside of David. So that's the externals, all that stuff, and we can think, well, David, that was a smart move. No, he's afraid. There's fear driving some of these actions here. And then what we do wonderfully see is something of a way through uh, for David. What we see uh, in the Psalm, Psalm 56 that we read there is we see a bit of a refrain that will help us. He repeats it twice in the Psalm. It's something that we can hang our own experiences on. And he says this, When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I trust and I'm not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me And we see something of a progression even through that verse or two there we see something of a progression towards a wider a broader perspective what can mortals do to me he's putting his life in the context of eternity and that's uh, sound advice for us but what we need to do really is break this down into uh, these three parts and see something of a process that david goes on and that's something that we can uh, we can emulate so the first thing that david says here He says, when I'm afraid, at the time I'm afraid, literally it says, uh, at what time, and we don't really use language like that anymore, but at what time I'm afraid, we might say, whenever. At the point at which I'm afraid I do something. David, the great giant slayer, the one of whom songs were sung, there there were parties, carnivals in the streets. For this man, he's scared now for his life. It's okay. It's okay to be afraid. That's okay. That's why the Bible repeatedly says, don't be afraid, or I'll help you when you're afraid. Because he, God knows our condition. And the first thing that David does, the first thing we need to do is just to admit the truth. And sometimes we're afraid. Sometimes things scare us. That's important to, to recognize it, to be honest about it. Sometimes you have to speak it out. You have to tell people close to us, you need to tell husbands and wives, you need to talk about this, you know, I'm scared, I don't know what's going to happen now, I don't know how it's going to pan out. The heroes of our faith were afraid at times, they were fearful, and so it wouldn't be a surprise if you were sometimes. David experienced it and so do you, I thought what might be helpful is if I told you some things that I get afraid of that scare me, I thought that might help you in, in this kind of moment of honesty. I get afraid sometimes for health, for my health, for the health of my family. Sometimes it, I, I get worried about it, and it goes around in my head. Like, what happens? I'm getting, I'm getting a bit older. I've noticed I have a grey beard now. And, you know, that's not the only thing that's getting older. But My whole body gets older. When you're young, I, people say when you're young, you think you're going to live forever. You don't. You just don't think about it. You do You just don't think about it. You just get on with it. And then get older and things stop working so well. And you're like, my goodness, it's harder to do the things that I used to do without even thinking about it. Uh, it's just it's tough. And you're wow, my goodness, I am frail. And sometimes people, uh, my mum, as you know, my mum died last year, so you know, and suddenly you're you're kind of confronted with your own frailty. And it can be scary. And that happens to me sometimes. I'm like, wow, goodness me, I'm not gonna live forever. Whoa. And I get afraid sometimes. I sometimes worry about money. I think, my, is this going to work out for us? As the years go by, is this going to work? Am I going to have enough money to retire one day? Um, many of us may be wondering that. I do. I, I worry about it sometimes. How is it going to pan out? How is this going to work? I worry about my family, my, about Cheryl, my wife, and about our children. Is life going to go well for them? How is it going to go? What about if they... But to get ill. I even sometimes it's gonna, a bit of a window in me. I worry about our country. Sometimes, I think a, a political commentator said that this week, or someone commenting one of the papers said, it's like our country is going through a political nervous breakdown right now, and that worries me. I love the, I love our country. I love the things that it stood for, and it worries me the what's happening. And then sometimes. We worry about relationships, people that we love dearly, that seem maybe distant. And we're not quite sure why. I worry about those things sometimes too. Uh, I don't just do that, but I want you, you to know that these, these are realities for me. There were realities here for David. He was afraid, and he didn't really know what to do next. And as he writes his psalm, he gives us something of a process. Anyway, the force of David's language in this psalm would indicate that he had learned, or he was learning a pattern, learning of something that he could do in these moments. At the point, it says, we could read it like this, at the point I recognize I'm afraid, at what time? At the time, whenever, at the moment I'm afraid, I do something, and I do it every time. He's teaching us something. You see, unchecked fear can be paralyzing, stops you doing anything. It kind of, it just grips you. That's why we say we are gripped by fear because it's hard to be gripped by other things when fear, and and the scenarios that we play around in our heads, like something maybe goes wrong, and then we play out the scenarios, don't we? If this goes wrong, then this goes wrong, this goes wrong, and I can't cope, and we, we keep going until we create an impossible future that we know we can't cope with, and then we worry about that as well as maybe the actual thing that happens. I do this, this happens, and so we need some help. To how do we stop these things happening? How can we arrest this? And David is saying, at the time I'm afraid I do this thing. At this time. At what time? At this moment. Whenever I'm afraid. I think the enemy loves it when we get caught in those moments of fear. He loves it. He just revels in it because it renders us completely ineffective. Often it stops us serving others. It stops us caring for others. It robs us of energy to be part of God's kingdom and God's church. It does all of these things when fear just grips. I'm caught in the midst of it. Peter knew something of fear, didn't he? The apostle Peter, he knew what it was to be afraid. He was afraid when Jesus was arrested and he lied about knowing him. And so he was gripped by fear and he just acted out of character. Peter later wrote this. In his letter, 1 Peter 5, cast all your anxiety onto him because he cares for you. Cast your fears onto him. Cast them onto him. There's an action that goes with the acknowledgement, the honesty. Something needs to be done. Well, what needs to be done? The second point really is this. I put my trust. This is what he does. I put my trust, it says in the psalm. When I'm afraid, I put my trust. And the question, of course, is where? Where do you put your trust? Let me tell you again a bit about myself. I tend to look inward when fear grips me it 's like I, okay, whoa it 's now what resources have I got to deal with this? So I look inside myself, I think, am I strong enough? Have I, am I smart enough? Am I connected enough? I, can, can I do this? Now that normally has a pretty short answer because most of the answer is no i can't i' don't know i 'm out i 'm out quickly i 'm like out and then of course, back into the spiral of concern and anxiety that can happen to me. So I tend to put my trust in my own resources and find it runs out quite quickly. But some of us do something different from that. Sometimes we look and say, right, who, who's going to help me? And we look around us, maybe we look into the church or our friendship or into our immediate family. We think, who's going to help me? Who's going to help me? Where can I put my faith and my trust? Where is is my available resources? Now, that's not wrong, but that's not an ultimate source. We've got got to get these in the right kind of order. Because what can also happen there is, well it can lead to annoyance, frustration, even anger. Because what we can think is, wow, I'm afraid. It doesn't seem to be going away. Who's not doing their job properly? Who's, who, who of you is not doing their job? This is how I feel. Who's not working hard enough because this is how I feel? That It can easily lead to that. If My first, if my first thought when I get afraid is, who, who's going to help me? which person is going to help me, who around me, which member of the family, which person in the church. If that's my first port of call, then the very quick quick thought is also, so who's not doing their job? I shouldn't be feeling like this. That doesn't help us either. The story of the Bible has this predominant theme. Who are you going to trust? Who are you going to put your faith in? Who are you going to put your trust in ultimately? Ultimately, Now, God does graciously put people all around us. In the church, for instance, there's elders, there's pastoral team that do a magnificent job of helping us when we get a bit stuck. There's connect group leaders and others. There's all kinds of people, friends and family that God puts near to us to help us. But ultimately, where's your faith? For instance, I love the NHS. I think it's brilliant. But I put my faith in God when I go to the doctor. The first place I go is, God, help me, heal me, and then I go and get the available help as well. It's, it's, it's about a process. It's about saying, I trust, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting that this is your resource for me. That's where I put my faith, where I put my trust. And it's what David is teaching us to do. The Proverbs 3 sums up that whole aspect of faith and trust and ultimate trust like this. Trust in the Lord, it's a very famous verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him or acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. God is promising help, but he's also giving instruction. He's saying acknowledge him. That means go to him, seek him, look to him. Line your life up with who he is and what he's about. Then expect that he will make your path straight. We want, we want straight paths. We know that's a metaphor for life going well. But it comes as a result of us doing something. And the third thing, of course, we find this. There's an object to David's faith. It's not internal. It's not even external. It's God himself. He said, I, in God, I praise. In God whose word I praise. That's where he puts his faith. That's where he puts his trust. The object of faith is everything. It's God. It's not himself. It's not others. Not even the church. It's God Himself. In God, whose word I praise. God. David actually mixes three things together here quite cleverly. Helps us. God Himself, God's word, and worship, and he puts them all in one very clever sentence. And he puts those things together, and it's this kind of simple, old secret. It's this old truth. It's time spent with God. It's time in his word, and it's personally worshipping him. It's those simple things. He says, in those things is strength when you're afraid. That's, where to, that's what to do. You need to draw on those things. Actually, just, just as we, I'm just thinking about, do you remember the moment when, Jesus, was, Jesus' disciples brought someone to him who was demonized, and they couldn't cast it out. Jesus cast it out, and he says, this kind needs prayer. And it's like, well, where did you pray? Well, he didn't stop and pray, he just, just immediately deals with the person, graciously. Actually, it's because Jesus had a life of prayer, that in the moment he was ready to do what needed to be done. And he was teaching his disciples, that's how it's done. It's done way before the need comes. We tend to think, well, when there's a need, I'll do it then. That's how I might think, actually. That'd be my tendency. Okay, so when, it, when fear raises ugly head, oh, then I'll start praying. Or then I'll, do, then I'll get into worship. Or then I'll study God's word. God said, no, you can be forearmed here. You could be ready for this moment. You could be prepared for it ahead of time. David's teaching us that you go to God. You spend time with Him. You might need to switch everything off sometimes. I need—I personally, I go out and walk. I just go out and walk, and sometimes Cheryl will say to me, "I think you need to go for a walk." And what she really means is, "I think you need to go and pray. You need to spend some time with God. It'll put things in perspective. Go and go and do something useful. <laughs> go and pray. And just pray, and just get, just often you find God's put things back in their place as you pray." take some time to do it without distractions it's very important that we get that right and then also God's word of course God's word it's not just words on a page this is life there's power here for you there's power for you when you're afraid in God's word it'll change the situation for you and of course worship too sometimes you need to go worship just be grateful be thankful Thank him for all kinds of stuff. Be extravagant with it. Then when you face fear, when you face things like David was, when suddenly you don't know what's going on, well, actually, well, I, I do know God. I know what it's like to be in his presence. That's where I'm going to go. That's where I'm going to find the help that I need. The other psalm that David wrote as a result of this situation says this. Just a few verses from Psalm 34. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man, and he's talking about himself, called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles, all his fears. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to be honest with God about your fears. But not just to leave it at the honesty. Then to apply the truth of who God is. To revel in the drawn out worship of God in you. To take time aside to do that so that you are stronger and able to combat the fear when it comes upon you. There's one other thing with David that we mustn't forget. Right at the beginning of the story of David, when uh, when Samuel anoints him with oil, first, when he's just a young boy, it says this, the Spirit of the Lord came and rested on him and stayed with him. David knew something that most people around him at that time didn't know. He knew the presence of God by the Holy Spirit. Most of his brothers wouldn't have known that. That's how it worked in those days before Jesus had come. That's not true now. Jesus now pours his Spirit upon all flesh, We have everything that David had, and we need everything that David had. We need the presence of God. We need to revel in the presence of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. So our challenge is this. Be honest about your fears. Be honest about them. Talk to each other, husbands and wives, friends, family, connect groups. Be honest about them. And then faith directs us and directs our honesty towards God that's where it goes. It goes to God. And faith leads us into his word. And faith draws worship out of us. And then you might say this to me, yeah, but when I'm afraid, I don't want to do any of those things. I don't feel like doing any of that. And The Bible would say, yes, of course you don't. That's what faith is. That's where faith meets, that's where the rubber hits the road. I don't want to do any of those things because I'm afraid. And the Bible says, do them. That's what faith is now Garrison yourself, ask for the Holy Spirit's help and put your trust in him. I've said to you before, and we've done this as a family many times, actually. We've, we've, we've sat down together and said, we don't know what's going on right now. And I don't have an answer. And as a dad, you, do, you want to have answers. Your kids really think you know everything. But not so much these days, but they, when they were younger, they did. And, and you know, I don't know. And we've said together, sometimes out loud, we choose to trust you, Jesus. We're choosing to trust you right now. We choose it. I don't feel like it. It's not welling up within me in a lovely warm glow. No, it isn't. I am having to choose it. Why? Because the Bible says to do it. And when fear grips you, that's what to do. David's telling us, that's what you do now in this moment. Now I choose. Now it's a choice. I choose to trust you. I don't even know what that means entirely, but I'm, cho- I'm saying it. I'm trusting you. I'll put... I'm putting my faith as well as I can. I'm doing it right now. In 2 Peter we read this. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. We're trusting verses like that. You've given us all we need. And that's where I'm putting my trust in. His word like David is telling us to do. And his presence because that, that verse is empowered by the Holy Spirit's presence. I'm choosing to do that right now. Trusting you. Don't see a way through. I don't understand how this is going to work. But Jesus, I'm trusting you. It's very important that we get that. It will strengthen you as a believer. It will strengthen us as a church. It strengthens our witness as people say, wow, you've got somewhere to go. It's not just find a smart person. It's we go to God himself. God wants you free and flourishing that's what Jesus died for that you would be free from fear and flourishing he wants that for you let's stand and ask him to help us shall we we're going to take communion in a, in a few moments time and this is a, a moment to really engage with the Holy Spirit to engage with the truth of the gospel and to expect God to do some things in us there's that promise, I put my trust in you. This is a moment to express that, that I'm putting my trust in you. Maybe what you need to do for you as a response in this moment is to say, I'm, I'm choosing to put my trust in you and I'm going to come and take communion in with that attitude. That's the attitude I'm going to adopt. As I come to the table, as I take bread and drink wine, as I take Jesus into me, as it were, I'm, I'm trusting you, I'm believing in you. It's a, it's a physical act of faith. That's why it's there for us. It's tangible. It's not just an idea. It's something you can come and do. There's power in that moment. Real power from God to change and help us and strengthen us. Even as we feel the kind of physical things going into our body, we think, yeah, God's with me. It's a reminder. More than a metaphor. It's a reality of God with us. I'm going to hand over to the guys in a moment to just help us to do that but I want to pray for you let's shut our eyes shall we Father we thank you so much that you identify with us thank you Jesus that you know what it is you know what it is to be human you know our condition you know us Lord you know what it is to grapple with fear you know what it is to fight these battles we thank you too for the example of David who Lord he struggled too And yet he found his source in you. And I pray for us in this moment that we would make decisions in our own processes and lives to say, yeah, when I'm afraid, I'm going to put my trust in you. The God whose word I praise, that's where my faith is. That's where my trust is. I'm going to bring that application into my life. I pray, Spirit of God, remind us of that in the moment, in the week, in the months ahead, where fear just wants to have us, wants to take us out of the fight, What's to blame other people? What's to do all kinds of things? I pray pray in those moments we will be strengthened by the words of David. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you.